Clouds climb, sun-warmed shimmering rain comes showering onto meadows and fields where flowers unfurl, and woods and grounds wear a wardrobe of green. Birds burble with life and build busily as summer spreads, settling on slopes as it should. Now every hedgerow brims with blossom and with bud, and lively songbirds sing from lovely, leafy woods. So summer comes in season with its subtle airs, when the west wind sighs among shoots and seeds, and those plants which flower and flourish are a pleasure as their leaves let drip their drink of dew, and they sparkle and glitter when glanced by sunlight. Then autumn arrives to harden the harvest, and with it comes a warning to ripen before winter. The drying airs arrive, driving up dust from the face of the earth to the heights of heaven, and wild sky wrestles the sun with its winds, and the leaves of the lime lay littered on the ground, and grass that was green turns withered and grey. Then all which had risen over-ripens and rots, and yesterday on yesterday the year dies away, and winter returns, as is the way of the world through time. At Michaelmas the moon stands like that season's sign, a warning to Gawain to rouse himself and ride. Yet by All Saints' Day he was still at Arthur's side, and they feasted in the name of their noble knight with the revels and riches of the round table. The lords of that hall and their loving ladies were sad and concerned for the sake of their knight, but nevertheless they made light of his lord. Men joyless at his plight made jokes and rejoiced. Then sorrowfully, after supper, he spoke with his uncle and openly talked of the trip he must take. Now, Lord of my life, I must ask for your leave. You were witness to my wager. I have no wish to retell you the terms, then nothing but a trifle. I must set out tomorrow to receive that stroke from the night in green, and let God be my guide. Then the cream of Camelot crowded around. Ywain and Eric and others of that ilk, Sir Dodinal the Dreaded, the Duke of Clarence, Lancelot, Lionel, Lucan the Good, and Sir Bors and Sir Bedivere, both big names, and powerful men such as Medard de la Porte. This courtly committee approaches the king to offer up heartfelt advice to our hero, and sounds of sadness and sorrow were heard, that one as worthy and well-liked as Gawain should suffer that strike but offer no stroke in reply. Yet keeping calm the knight just quipped, Why should I shy away, If fate is kind or cruel, man still must try. He remained all that day, and in the morning he dressed, Asked early for his arms, and all were produced. First a rug of rare cloth was unrolled on the floor, Heaped with gear which glimmered and gleamed, and on to it he stepped to receive his armoured suit. He tries on his tunic of extravagant silk, then the neatly cut cloak, closed at the neck, its lining finished with a layer of white fur. 
Then they settled his feet into steel shoes and clad his calves, clamped them with greaves. Then hinged and highly polished plates were knotted with gold thread to the knight's knees. Then leg guards were fitted, lagging the flesh, attached with thongs to his thick-set thighs. Then comes the suit of shimmering steel rings, encasing his body and his costly clothes. Well-burnished braces to both of his arms, good elbow guards and glinting metal gloves, all the trimmings and trappings of a knight tricked out to ride. A metal suit that shone, gold spurs which gleam with pride, a keen sword swinging from the silk belt to his side. Fastened in his armour, he seemed fabulous, famous, every link looking golden to the very last loop. Yet for all that metal, he still made it.